in the internet justice system, people spout offenses that are clearly not heinous. As part of the Kick cast, the semi-dedicated streamers who investigate internet people are members of a YouTube channel known as Keeping It Criminal. This is their show. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am Kick, and along with me this evening is the most wonderful producer on the face of the planet, Taco. Taco, say hi to the nice people. Hello. And we are trying out a brand new show format tonight that is called On The Stand. And what we're looking at here is every two weeks, uh, just about on Monday nights, we'll do a uh, interview of somebody interesting and get to know them a little bit better outside of the whole idea from our normal circles and ask some really tough questions of them and, you know, just... uh. Think of it kind of like Joe Rogan without all the pot. That, that's pretty much kind of what it is. You know, we're, we're going to try to keep it as, as, as professional as possible. Anyway. And there's going to be plenty of uh, people that we have on here that you might not like. It's yep. going to be the good and the bad. We want to uh, we want to show sides of we want to see both sides of the debate. And how yep. some of these people came about to come up with their thinking and why they do the things they do. So rather than a, a debate that we're going to have with anybody, this is going to be an interview. Um, so I think that this is a much better format than we generally see. And hopefully we can kind of uh, not necessarily find any middle ground or neutrality, but really just get to brass tacks uh, with the individuals that we bring on. So tonight, our special guest that we have here with us is a wonderful gentleman with a voice for radio, a face for the Internet. He is or was a military policeman uh, in the Army. He is a YouTuber. He's been on Dr. Phil, best known for Jeremy DeWitt videos and the iconic Kermit the Frog voice. I bring to you Blue Bacon. Hello, everybody. It's, uh, it's me. But thank you for having me on, by the way. <laughs> Glad to have you here. I'm I'm just so happy that uh, we could finally put this together and get together. I know that we've had a rough couple of weeks recently. Um, <clears throat> there's been a lot of uh, scheduling concerns and um, other issues that have been going on for all of us. So I'm really glad that you're here with us tonight. Um, I know that you were listening while you were backstage, so you kind of have an idea of the format. And we're going to start things off. I mean, really simple. Um you know, Blue, what what was it like being a bacon bit? Now, by bacon bit, uh, you're going to have to elaborate a little more on that. Mm -hmm. Because bacon bit, I generally refer to as people who are uh, in my Discord. But I think maybe you're referring to something else. Oh, no, 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 no. You you are now the Blue Bacon. So when you were little, you were a oh. bacon bit. So what was it like when you were a Blue Bacon bit? Well, I was shorter. Uh <laughs> As younger and that's good to know a little stupider probably uh no you know i grew up i think like most people do with one notable exception uh who i think brad pitt did a great job portraying <laughs> uh high school i did uh i took some classes in college i joined the army like a like a fool i'm just kidding no the army is very good to me and um it it has been it's been a good ride and 
there I made choices during that time that led to where I am now. So I can't really complain too much. Uh, when I was in college, I ended up doing some security work as a favor to a friend for a, uh, a convention. And I enjoyed it immensely. And I thought, well, you know, what am I doing now? Why don't I, I should go into that field. I don't want to be behind a desk. No, I, I need an active, exciting life. And so I joined the military uh, and I said, give me military police. And they went, uh, please take cryptologic linguistics. I'm like, no, I don't like foreign languages. And because cryptologic linguistics is decoding foreign transmissions. It's a thing pays well. Uh, no, thank you. And so I basically attempted to essentially create a resume for very high end security work. And unfortunately for that, that is not what how my military career went instead of getting something like PSD, which is a protective service detail uh, school. I think there's the acronym. There are a lot of acronyms in the military. Uh, I ended up getting chosen to be a uh, counter narcotics investigator for CID in Germany uh, as an investigator, not as an agent. And then after that, I was stationed at Joint Base Lewis McCord in Washington where I was a military police investigator, basically working general crimes in plain clothes. A lot of fun, good stuff. After leaving that, I did end up doing a little bit of uh, very high-end security work. I can't really discuss too much because of the contracts I've signed, but I had an offer to be a private investigator, and I was like, that that seems kind of nice. Uh, I'm, I have a lot more freedom than I did in that level of security. At the level of security I was working, uh, I couldn't talk about what I was doing. I couldn't talk about where I was going. I could barely discuss my schedule. Uh, it was it was very, very sort of hush-hush. My schedule changed often. I couldn't do anything about it. And it very similar to my military uh, lifestyle. But when I got the offer to have a lot more freedom for essentially the same pay, I went, yeah, yeah, let's do that. So now I work in investigations on the sort of civilian side, mostly as a field agent doing uh, surveillance. So... That's, uh, that's basically where we're at. Nice, nice. Um, so what really drew you to kind of the criminal justice side of things when you were going into the military school PI? Uh, you know, what was what was really your your focus that brought you in that direction? Well, ever since I was a kid, uh, you know, when you talk to a young child, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, astronaut, uh, police officer, fireman, at least on the, the male side of things. I, In my experience, that's where I was at. Uh, there, you know, there's a list of things that you want to do because it seems cool. And uh, I always in the back of my mind thought police officer was kind of cool. And then I forgot it, you know, and then full circled back to it. I was talking to one of my relatives who uh, is a former police chief. And I was like, I want to do the security stuff. You have done some pretty cool things in your life. How would you recommend I do that? And he suggests military police. They and then work towards a career path within the military, within military police at the 31 Bravo to get to uh, that security stuff. And it, it is exactly where it took me in a fairly roundabout way, uh, not how I intended it to go, but uh, I'm really glad that I didn't do that direct path because I had some incredible experiences, but I just, I'd always appreciated law. I'd always been, you know, as a kid, uh, a tiny little lawyer, you know, with uh, limited, but not, you know, whatever the like terminology latin throwing things out there i always had this uh i was very fond of the idea of suing people uh <laughs> for some reason like without knowing what it was when i was very young like there would be some grievance against somebody like sue them like i don't know what that means but <laughs> I'm, uh, right and so i think 
my life has always had that element of it. And at no point until right before joining the military did I really ever seriously consider uh, a career in it with the exception of like first grade where I was like, yeah, but also I want to be a ghost hunter in first grade. Like I want to do all sorts of weird stuff. I want to be a, like a computer technician because there's a lot of money there. I didn't really, you know, like, like I can buy more Skittles if I get a good job. I don't, <laughs> we had this, you know what? Uh, I love to ramble. So I'm going to give you this little thing, this little story. We had a, I don't want to say event. That's not the right word. We had, it was a, a thing that teacher presented us like, oh, okay, let's schedule your lives like you're an adult, right? Here you you get like three choices of jobs you choose. You can determine um, how much you sleep, what kind of house you get from it, you know, and like figure out how you, you might want to focus your life to things. I don't really remember the details, but I remember computer IT technician, repairman, whatever was one of the things. And it listed $100 an hour. And I could not conceive $100 an hour. I was like, that's it. It's a lot of Skittles. So and I, I think I also listed, I only need four hours of sleep a night for maximum money. Uh, so like I, there were tons of things I wanted to do, but there was always that element, like looking back at it now, law and police work was always there. And just sort of, sort of just smacked together at the end. And uh, and I just went with it, and I'm really glad I did. Yeah, That's... you had much more realistic ones than I did. I had professional wrestler. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah, I was a scrawny kid though, so that was never. Uh, <clears throat> I was a fencer in high school, so I was always about the uh, the swords more than the grabbing people and throwing them. I wouldn't have known where to begin. Ah, uh, so you not were... that I was any good with swords, but. <laughs> so you would inevitably take Eshwards for a thousand. Yes. 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 Um, you know, I, I, a lot of us could probably say the same thing. I remember, you know, being a kid, having the same kind of ideas. I wanted to be a baseball player. I was mm. never good at sports. Mm. Um, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut and I hate math. Um, and uh, I settled on working for uh, for Microsoft is what I wanted to do. And then everybody started telling me, oh, well, the way that Bill Gates got into it is he did programming and he did hardware. And I said, well, F programming, I can be successful without it. And, uh, sure as shit. Now I'm, um, I, I'm a developer for an invoicing software. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's amazing how life kind of takes you in those mm. directions. Um, so kind of skipping aside from the direction that you took for your career, uh, what got you into YouTube? Oh boy. All right. This is going to be a lengthy answer potentially. So <laughs> I'm at JBLM. Um, my work is done for the day. I turn on my computer and I, I just watch some videos on YouTube and I've probably around this time, this would be 16, 17 or 18 of the two thousands, somewhere around there. Uh, and at the time I would have been watching uh, donut operator and donut operator is a lot of fun. He, uh, a lot of what he does is break down shooting videos like, all right, well, so in this situation, here's how it went down. Here's why it went down, which is great information to have. But I at that time, the anti-police sentiment was really gaining momentum. Mm -hmm. So I was watching these videos going, well, this is very good information. And every once in a while, I will learn something as well. But he's not bringing up enough. There's there are a lot of things that are relevant to what he's discussing that he's not addressing and probably don't really need to be addressed in any significant context. But one, 
it probably is important in some of these contexts that he's uh, addressing. And two, his content is very much tailored to people who already support the police, which is fine from a business perspective. That's exactly what we want to do to, you know, if I wanted a, a, my channel to accelerate, if I really cared a lot about that, I would be directing my content at a very specific market group. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that Donut Operator does very well. But I had always prided myself in de-escalationist law enforcement. And one of the great ways to de-escalate that I discovered was when reasonable, it's not always reasonable, explaining what is happening and why it's happening to people is a great way to calm them down. In some, in many, well, I won't say all, but in many circumstances, this is the case where people are just upset because they don't understand what's happening. That's the reason, not because they hate police, not because of this, not because of that. They just don't understand. So if you have 20 seconds that you can say, hey, take this person real quick and go over to the, whoever is is about to cause a much bigger fuss than you want, and you say, hey, let me explain. So the reason we're putting him in handcuffs isn't because he, he has necessarily committed the crime. He has met the elements of uh, a crime. We have established probable cause to arrest him, document him. He will be released today. We're putting handcuffs on him because we have to transport him. The handcuffs go on him during the transport. They will come off of him after the transport. We'll get his information. We'll get his side of the story. He'll be released to you know whoever, his unit, his own reconnaissance, uh, whichever. But unfortunately, here are the elements he met. I, I'm sure you can see how that is the case. And I understand that he probably has a reason. Mm -hmm. I'm, sure, I'm sure you believe that as well. But the police station is where he's going to give us that reason. Uh, obviously, we see that there are a lot of things happening on this scene that are not going to be conducive to getting that full, accurate story. And so for his own benefit and ours, we're going to transport him which is why we have the handcuffs, which is why it's being put in the back of the patrol car. And you just talk at them and you explain all this stuff and they'll, A, be like, oh, that makes sense. And B, sort of stop to process it, which gives you time to go on to the next thing. It's a great tool to de-escalate and keep people a little bit happier about the situation. And so watching uh, Jonah Operator talk about this, I went, well, that's not gonna, that's not gonna stop this momentum that I'm seeing really you know, gain speed with this anti police stuff wouldn't it be nice if someone sort of explained a little further and directed this stuff at people who are within reach for mm. you know giving that information but not quite there i'm not going to be able to like if at the extremes you're not going to convince anybody at the extremes someone they know and trust is going to have to do that but sort of near the edge boom but i didn't i didn't do that I was just like, wouldn't it be nice, right? Like, I bet I could do it, but I've, I don't have time. Until I saw Sovereign Citizen Bingo. Now, I had heard of Sovereign Citizens, and that's something that uh, Donut Operator's done, where he, he, they watch, he and other people will watch uh, videos of Sovereign Citizens, they'll play yep. bingo about the phrases they use, et cetera. And I went, wow, Sovereign Citizens, I've heard the term, I've never looked into it, and wow, these guys actually sound really convincing. I know that they're wrong. I cannot explain why. I can't pick apart their specific argument. I don't know the details. And then I, of course, looked into it quite a bit, learned that the reason I can't pick it apart because a lot of it's just made up, right? Mm -hmm. If it was real, it would, it would certainly be a, a big deal. But a lot of it's made up, a lot of it's being applied uh, incorrectly, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. From there, I discovered First Amendment auditors who are a, generally a distinct thing, but their circles often overlap. Yeah. And I discovered the comments section of First Amendment auditors and was blown away and went, wow, this I have to know more about because these people are so incredibly wrong about 
basic things, right? Oh, the officer put their hands on the guy. Yeah, because they were arresting him. Like, that's not assault. They're not trying to kill him. What are you talking about? It was just, it was nuts. And so I started going to that, discovered videos of auditors filming restricted military installations. I went, that I know something about because 18 USC 795 prohibits that exact activity. I have enforced that law. I've never made the arrest, but I have enforced it. I've gone out and I've, I've stopped people. I know things about that. And so I started commenting and responding and saying, well, actually, you might want to review this. You might want to review that. Here's the executive order. Here's how this has been done. Here's a civil case that's very relevant, et cetera. And I did this for a while. We, I mean, not like every day I'd log in and do it, but I was getting responses probably for a year of people just like, Rah! and I went, you know what? As much fun as this is, and I did have a lot of fun doing it. I still have a lot of fun doing it, uh, having those little arguments, and, which compel me to do a ton of research to uh, address some of their concerns. I thought, I'll, you know what? I'll make that video. I'll make that video that I had thought about making ages ago, explaining how 18 USC 795 works. And then from there, maybe I'll go into uh, your right to film in public and what the limitation on that. And maybe uh, how privacy works uh, in uh, public forums, et cetera. So I made three videos, which are, I believe the first, yeah, those should still be the first three videos. And people appreciated it and they asked for more. And so I started addressing specific auditors that were you know, violating that law. Uh, at one point, uh, Furry Potato got, into some trouble and I made a video on that, which got some attention and then I got more attention. Uh, a guy named Brian King, who I know very little about and uh, kick actually, I hadn't even thought of him. I forgot all about him until someone brought it up on your discord. Really? Uh, yeah. Like I was, I, he, he was the first person to ask me to be part of a live stream. He said, you seem knowledgeable and you seem polite, which I, I still try to be. Sometimes I've learned that there are certain people that will not be, convinced no matter how polite you are and so there's people i've dealt with before people that i recognize their arguments that i'm just very dismissive of sorry about that but uh he was impressed with my ability to just not lose my mind and there were certain other channels that lacked that ability at the time uh not in necessarily a bad way for you know how are they running their channel but not in the way that i want to present myself so uh, we talked there. Some auditors got to know who I was, and it progressed until, and we're nearing the end, don't worry, until <laughs> one of the channels I watched, which was Real World Police, uploaded a video about a little guy named Jeremy DeWitt just, <laughs> just getting arrested. And like, oh, this is funny. It, it was nothing, though. It was, it, was, it was just another video until a second video came out. And then in the comments section, people were saying, oh, yeah, he also drove an ambulance for WWE. And then Reddit started talking about him. I went, wow, this is people. This is a, a big deal. OK. And a lot of people are very excited about this. A lot of people don't understand what's actually happening. And so I made this little throwaway video that's not good saying, here's who he is. Here's what he's saying. Here are the laws he's presumably breaking, which we now know that he was because he pled guilty. Uh, here's what his defense probably would be. And here's why all of this is a problem. And my, I think at the time I had about 5,000 subscribers. And all of a sudden, people just are, are coming to my channel. I think that that video, like at most I was hitting, I think my biggest one of that time was probably the furry potato video at 10,000. Mm -hmm. This one hit like 150 in a week or two, 150,000. And I went, wow, that's wow, what's happening. And people are asking for more. And they want my, um, my input on this. And videos about Jeremy are coming out. And there's all this stuff. I'm being cited. 
uh, I am now all of a sudden the expert on this situation. Uh, I think I was at the peak of my popularity in the Jeremy DeWitt stuff. I was basically number two under Real World Police. Now, Real World Police had the advantage of requesting all this stuff for me. So often I'd, I'd let them do it. But I created Discord. I got three people <laughs> at first uh, to basically put in requests that we thought nobody else was touching where we saw, you know, an avenue for something very interesting. And then people started joining and we became, my channel became a Jeremy DeWitt channel where I just covered it as it went for like a year or two. You have literally like, it's almost like you're reading off the questions that I've got for you because you segued magically right into the next, the next item. Um, Just a couple of quick things, you know, uh, Schrodinger's cat, uh, mm-hmm. brings up, you, you talked about the Venn diagram of, you know, sovereign mm-hmm. citizens, mm-hmm. one A's, Moors. Uh, the more you look at it, the more that Venn diagram becomes a circle. Um, you know, it, they just overlap so damn much. It's hard to really say, you know, that there's, there's too much of a difference except for, you know, really it's about approach. Um, the sovereign citizens and the Moors both do it from a document standpoint, mm-hmm. but they like to record their interactions, which ties into the, one a community where all of them end up roadside lawyering at some point because of their belief structure. Oh, sure. Um, and so you see a lot of these pieces just kind of overlapping. You'll hear a, a more talking about, well, it's my first amendment, right? To record the police mm-hmm. while they're being pulled over for their right to travel. Now you make a great point and all of them fall into that, the circle of anti-government. They're all anti-government in some way. However, uh, Sovereign citizen has distinct arguments that will identify them as sovereign citizens, whether or not they want to be considered that. Uh, Moorish Americans will have distinct arguments uh, that will identify them as Moorish Americans that are specific to that Moorish American subculture of uh, sovereign citizen stuff. Uh, First Amendment auditors often touch on that stuff, but a lot of their arguments are unique. I wouldn't say unique to them, but unless they're actually making the I have the right to travel, uh, you know, taxes are this, uh, the, you know, you need to injure party, whatever. I would not consider them sovereign citizens per se. I would lump them all together as anti-government. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm pretty strict about who I call what based on this specific arguments, purely mostly because I've done a lot of research, not only to what their arguments are, but why their arguments are. And so I, I like to, in my brain, sort of uh, compartmentalize that. Although it is often fair to identify the the sort of wishy-washy barrier between the various groups. Oh, of course. And a lot of them are very constitutional based. And so mm-hmm. when we when we look at that as, as a common denominator, it's hard to really see much of a difference until you start getting into the minutia. And exactly. uh, you've you've definitely done that. I've I've done some reading on your uh, on your Reddit. You've done mm. some great articles on the sovereign citizen movement. Um, I'm going to make sure to, uh, get that put into the description here after the show. So people can go and check that out and do some reading. Um, it it, kind of in the token with Jeremy DeWitt and I, I find it, you know, it's great that you bring that up. I mean, it's obvious you, you were Mr. Jeremy DeWitt essentially for a while. Um, that's how I got my start was Mm. doing a Jeremy DeWitt video with my awful background music, my stupid (laughs) name for my channel. Um, and covering pretty much the same exact shit that you were. Um, but really, what what outside of real world police and all of that that drew you to Jeremy? You know, what what was it specifically about him that piqued your interest for such a sustained period? It the 
the crazy never stopped. And it's not that it plateaued. Every week, it seemed, there was something new. All of a sudden, oh, now we know he's a sex offender. Oh, now we know that he was involved in this incident. Ah, now he is, he's made a video. Like, ah, oh, there's something else going on. Gotcha. He's claiming to be a member of the military, uh, which he never was. Uh, he's claiming to be an officer in the military, which obviously made me a little upset. But every just constantly to a point where like it was overwhelming, like trying to deal with all of them. It all of these new things were popping up. There were so many branches of just crazy that became apparent when it comes to Jeremy DeWitt. When you look at Jeremy DeWitt, right, right now we have a, a solid timeline, right? It's easy to look at it and say every all the information from when we first learned about him to his conviction, we sort of know what's important. But this was as it was coming out. This was this was happening live. We were investigating it, you know, on our on our own terms live. And we were finding all sorts of weirdness about the guy, uh, the lies he had told, the things he had done, the videos that were popping up that people had found, either, you know, other people or uh, people in my discord that were you know, giving to me. We were requesting body camera footage. We were getting body camera footage. I it, it just it, it was constant and continuous. And it wasn't, oh, this is the same level of weirdness. It's it just kept one upping itself, you know. Okay, he he's cheating on his wife. His wife knows. Does his wife care? Oh, she's also not all there. It was it was just nuts. I I'm there was so much information about. It. I'm struggling to just like put it together in my head uh, because of how much it had to be. Uh, sort of you know what do we keep? What do we throw away? Because uh, there was there was just too much. There was too much for me to cover, and so we had to go over so much of it. And there was so much. It's just he is one of the most interesting people I think I've ever reviewed from a criminal standpoint. And he's definitely extremely interesting. I mean, he's like a, a, a return guest on Jerry Springer, mm, you know, mm -hmm, it's just mm -hmm. every week it's something different, you know? Um, but tying into that, I mean, obviously you got to be in the same location he was not yes. too long ago and you kind of saw right. this coming. Um, as many of you in the chat may know, and people who are watching, uh, Blue was featured on Dr. Phil um, as a Jeremy DeWitt uh, specialist, if you will, in lieu of real world police, as mm -hmm. uh, I imagine that they they declined uh, when they were invited. And so uh, the producers reached out to you and had you on uh, and you said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come on and I'll talk about it. Um, and, and a lot of that's covered in your videos. I don't want to mm -hmm. dig too deep into what was said on the show, that type of thing. What was it like going home and talking to mom and dad or, you know, your close friends that you grew up with after they saw you on television? Oh, it was pretty great. Uh, so the episode didn't air for almost three months. So pe people knew that it existed. It had that information had been leaked, not by myself. I think uh, Jeremy was the one who leaked that. Uh, I had signed a contract not to discuss it until either it aired or three months had passed. And so he was saying, oh, there's a Dr. Phil thing, whatever. And so people were asking me and I was like, I, I'm afraid I, I, I don't know where I'd begin to talk about it. If it was true, et cetera, you know, sort of, def I was deflecting left and right and uh, got a lot of flack for that. I was like, oh, he's a liar. Like, no, I literally contractually cannot bring it up, but just you just wait, just wait, <laughs> everyone just wait. Uh, but talking to my parents, 
they knew they were they were very just like oh weird why like you uh not in a bad way but they're like who and i was in the same boat like who am i literally i so i wasn't there i don't think i was ever supposed to be on the show i think uh real i don't know that real world police was offered i believe he was uh, but I cannot confirm that as a fact. What happened was, I think the producers are also trying to take all this information and sort of like compress it into a, a cohesive, understandable narrative. And so they called me and they're like, can you explain this? And I, I answered their questions. I explained it and they went, oh, thanks so much. And that was it until they called me again and said, hold on a second. We have some more questions. And then these questions were a lot more personal about my involvement. And they said, you are obviously, you know what you're talking about. You have the facts in your head you can speak in front of the camera. Do you want to be on the show? I don't know that they ever intended for me to actually be on it. I think they just went, well, we can't have real world police. And this guy clearly knows a thing or two him. And I barely even talked. It was Jeremy wouldn't shut up. I think I was just there so that if Jeremy was very quiet, cause he had his attorney with him who did not shut him up. Uh, oh boy. Did he not? Uh, I think Dr. Phil would have turned to me and said, well, blue bacon, uh, can you explain the thing, right? And I would have done that to try to get you know Jeremy to chime in or something, but it never, it didn't need to happen. So that was a whole thing. Uh, on the drive back, because I drove there and back, and it was a very long drive. Uh, I was uh, basically talking to my moderator about it, and uh, that was very, very fun. But with my parents, I didn't tell them too many details. I let them watch it, and then like for a solid month, they kept sending me messages, be like, "This person just saw it and told us about it." I went, "Yep." <laughs> It happened. Like I, yeah. But the the thing that really stands out to me was them just going, "You, yeah. <laughs> like, you're not. You you just started. What are you talking about? Right? So were they you were scared? very excited. It was a very excited you. So were right. you scared of the Doctor Phil knife hands? It. I didn't. The. I don't. No. I. I wasn't. I was just excited to be there. Uh, I was impressed with the intensity of my intro. Uh, and I knew it was going to be intense, but like. It's different when you film it and you answer the questions. Basically, they ask a bunch of questions and then uh, they edit it together as an intro to who you are and why you're relevant. And so sitting backstage watching that and going, oh, I'm about to have to meet him. I interviewed him before on my channel. Very, very soft interview because I wanted to do more uh, and build rapport. And that never happened because after that interview, I went stolen valor and he just lost it on me I'm like cool now we're enemies. <laughs> I would let you give your side of the story, but all right. Mm -hmm. So. uh yeah, like and then sitting next or in front of him, they, they basically walked me on stage and the set is freezing. It's so cold. Uh, and, you know, stay eight feet away from everyone at all times. Do not get close to Dr. Phil. COVID's a thing. This was like the height of COVID uh, where nobody really knew the specifics, all except that it was dangerous and it was very, very transferable. And obviously, Dr. Phil is someone in a uh, an age bracket that is at risk. So they're like eight feet away. And so they, they brought me on stage. They sat me down. They went, uh, Dr. Phil, this is blue. And he's like, okay. Right? Like, let's go. <laughs> let's do this. Uh, very professional man. Uh, I have no issues with him. People are like, was he nice? Like, I don't know. We we never talked. Uh, I nodded <laughs> to his wife as I left and she nodded back. And that's that's that is it. Like this is this is a professional venture. They're they're not there to make friends. I am he probably doesn't even remember I exist. And I'm okay with that. I you don't generally want Dr. Phil to remember you exist. Right. That means you, you did something wrong on this show. But uh, yeah, sitting there and Jeremy's just like, oh, very disappointed in you, young man. I was like, cool. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know how I feel about like sitting across from him. And there were no issues, but 
I wish I wish that Dr. Phil would have given him the whole, you know, well, what you need to do is go on to the ranch. Okay. <laughs> and and here's here's a couple of knife hands to send you on your way with that fancy little motorcycle and, oh, and just, man. you know, would have catapulted him to the ranch because I think that he fits at least the height requirements for the ranch. He's not a tall man. No. Um uh, no. I'm not one to speak, but I mean I'm willing to bet I'm taller than him. Because um, he was he was throwing those knife hands left and right. Oh, it yeah. was the, the, the I don't, scary is not the right word, but the scariest, the most applicable moment was when Jeremy uh, brought up, said like, well, we do this because we care about the people that we're transporting. We want to keep them safe. What if it was your beautiful wife who had died? And I'd swear the room got colder and a little bit darker. And Dr. Phil just like tent, like it wasn't significant. And I'm sure they edited around it, but he just sort of hunkered down a little bit like he was about to jump. And I was you can see in the episode me grabbing the arms of the chair, just like I this is unfair. This is very uncomfortable. Am I about to have to wrestle Dr. Phil off somebody like nobody? Nobody else is that close to him. Oh, boy. Like this just got weird. You could you could feel the change. And I glanced over at Rob and his wife and Rob's just sitting there just like, no. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, get him, get him! I'm sure she like in his earpiece, just like Phil, Phil, baby. Um, if you punch him, I won't, I won't bring it up. We can edit it out. I don't know. Don't worry about it, right? It was just like the change in the room, but that was like the 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 worst moment as far as like oh things just got real intense. But other than that, it was mostly just me sitting there going. Hey, Amir, Amir being uh, Jeremy's attorney, like, are you going to stop him from talking? My God, like, shut this dude. And there were times that Amir grabbed his leg, and, but you can't, you don't see it in the um, the episode. I don't think they ever include any of those clips. But there were times he did reach over and, like, squeeze his kneecap to be like, shut up. It didn't work. But there were times he tried. It was just, it was a, it was a great moment. I'm glad I was there. Uh, that sounds super intense. Um, so, you know, now that Jeremy's in jail, um, he's obviously going to probably be facing some more charges here in um, another county. Uh, what's next for Blue Bacon? Oh, I've basically just been having fun doing my own thing, putting out little videos here and there. It's nice to have a break. It's, it's with Jeremy. I felt compelled to put out the content about it. like things were happening and people were turning to me uh, to talk about. It. And now I sort of like, oh, this is interesting. I'll throw it out there. I'm taking a little break. Uh, letting people purge themselves from my channel who were here for uh, Jeremy. Because a lot of people joined after Dr. Phil specifically for the Jeremy stuff. And now that Jeremy's over, a lot of them are uh, understandably leaving. We expected that to happen uh, you know, way back when they first joined. Like, this is not a permanent thing. But um, there are people that I have the old eyeballs on as far as, uh, I think, a little mini-series on the channel to discuss. So, uh, I, ooh, I don't really want to give names yet. I, well, okay, I'll give one. Because I've talked about it before, Gregory Tambone is just has an insane story that needs to be covered, and he's told a lot of lies that need to be addressed. Uh, and then there are some other people uh, conducting a business similar to Jeremy's that I want to get into too many details because I don't want someone to steal this story from me. Uh, for both of those, we are waiting for just a couple documents to make sure the story, the uh, the presentation of facts, is as accurate as possible. Uh, and then I also have this little side project that has been difficult because it rains so much here, uh, which is going to be called, unless it changes in the title, uh, Hunting the Dead, which is where I go out and I try to see if I can find 
the remaining unrecovered bodies, the victims of the Green River Killer, Gary Ridgeway. So we filmed about 80% of one episode as sort of a test that went very well. Uh, I've just recently met someone who is the daughter of one of the homicide investigators who worked a little bit of Gary Ridgeway, Green River Killer, uh, and a whole bunch of Ted Bundy. And during the investigation into the Green River Killer, they actually went to Ted Bundy and said, help us get inside this dude's head. It was very effective, actually. Ted Bundy knew exactly what was going on with uh, Gary Richway. So I want to get him as a, a guest interview. I've identified one of the only people we, we know to have survived, to have gotten away. Uh, I know where they live. I know their name. I have not contacted them yet. Uh, I was hoping COVID would have died down by now to see if I can get an in-person uh, interview with Gary Richway himself. He is still kicking, but like, He's, he's an old man, so that time is limited. So it's it's really, we're trying to put a bunch of that stuff together while working around my my real job that pays me real money. So <laughs> I mean, there, there are definitely big projects in the works, but for right now, I'm just doing some small little fluff that I have a lot of fun doing. Oh, of course. And you did uh, you did an awesome uh, job on that recent video for me, the, uh, the short. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, uh, I, oh, I want to continue that, of course. Yeah. So that I want to make a little series. And, and of course, uh, Blue kind of offered up to give me a hand here while I've been dealing with some things recently with the scheduling and all. Uh, so for more of that type of series, make sure to check out his channel for those. They will be coming. Um, lots of interesting little nuggets of history and in, in crime. Um, all right. So we've we've gotten through a lot of the easy ones. We're warmed up. We're we're ready and raring to go. I'm going to toss you a couple of hard Hold balls. On. I got confronted on uh -oh. one uh -oh. thing first. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. He's been playing games on his channel too. He's oh, entering true. my realm here. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> well, I saw. I, you know, I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. You know, you're you're just branching out into so many different areas, man. I mean, leave some subs for Taco. Yeah, I mean, come on. Right. Yeah, Ta you Taco, know? get me in on uh, one of your streams one of these days. And then you you're want. then you're singing shanties. Oh yeah. I mean, now <laughs> you're now you're intruding on yeah. Artie's territory. Uh, I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I just want Senpai to... Sen, senpai? Sem? Is it N? Sen, sen, I'm not senpai. in that. Senpai. Artie Senpai. me. That's right. Ooh, Love me, Artie Senpai. Yeah, I just want him to notice me. Um, <laughs> he was in the chat earlier. Oh, yeah, was he, he was. I hope he's still there. Cause it, and if no. he is, he'll put a big full capital no in here shortly <laughs> when he hears it. Uh, but let's get, some, uh, let's get some tough questions here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, privacy requires you not to provide certain information to us. Sure. Um, but how do you handle questions of legitimacy in your oh, PI and military police boy. work in the public eye? It's so, okay, story time. I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, back when I started, and I was addressing, I think it was Accountability Media. He had filmed, I might, I think it was Accountability Media. There was a video of him filming at Joint Base Meyer Henderson Hall. And he got a bunch of stuff wrong. He's filing 18 USC 795. This is back in the day when I was very active and being like, ha, 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 you're so wrong about this, uh, politely. And there was a group of people who identified themselves as military. And I said, hey, it's good to see some other people fighting this fight and you know making this more common knowledge. And someone misread my comment because, I mean – you have to understand in these comment sections, it becomes a bit of a battle where people are attacking you. And, you know, I try to maintain not an attack back, but everything 
you start to perceive every comment as an attack. If it, if it can't be established as not an attack, it is perceived as an attack. And they misread my comment, understandably, I, I don't fault them for that, and thought I was against them, apologized, said, oh my, oh, my bad, like, I just went back to that comment, I realized that you're on our side. And I'm like, yeah, like, of course, like, you guys are fine. And they went, but hold on a second, how do we know? Like, what do you mean, how do you know? And they started questioning me about some military stuff, and I was answering their questions, and they're like, that's wrong. And I realized, after hundreds and hundreds of comments back and forth that they had been military 70s and 80s and in the 90s of 85 and through the 90s a lot of the military a lot of the codes a lot of the the words a lot of a lot was restructured to mean different things so i'm saying things that are correct uh, and they're saying, no, it's actually this, which would have been correct in, you know, prior to 85. They're saying, where did you train military, you know, stuff? I went uh, Fort Leonard Wood. And they went, no, that's not where the military police train. Like, yes, it, it is since 1999, I believe. Uh, and so they started attacking me. And I got very, very involved. And I literally, like, uploaded redacted military records. And said, you could have gotten that anywhere. I'm like, do a reverse Google search because these don't exist anywhere. And eventually what I ended up doing to, because at this point it was more about just like slapping them back down than actually proving anything. Cause I had easily said enough to prove anything to include emailing the, um, the head of, uh, was it USAREC? No. Uh, yeah. Like United States army recruiting command, I think is what it was because they were like, Oh, military police isn't five years active and three years, uh, reserve. It's four years. Like every other MOS. Like, no, it's not. It's actually five. And then when we went to a recruiter, I ended up calling that recruiter and the recruiter admitted that they just, they didn't know everything usually is four. So they just went with four and I contact, I emailed uh user and said, is it five? And they went, it is of course. And so I sent them that email and said, if you think this is wrong, email them yourself. Here's, you know, and of course I'm sure they did. And we're just mad that I was right. I don't know. They didn't want to be wrong. And they were. And they were very, very mad. And I eventually got one of my buddies who was, uh, I was not active anymore at this time. But he was. He was on duty. It was a slow night. I said, hey, what if I got you on camera? In your patrol car. They cannot argue this. Give you my documents. You review it and say, these are legitimate. I know this guy. I can confirm what he's saying. And these documents are are." correct they never that group never agreed like oh we're sorry what they did was they spammed the base called them a bunch and said we like this is a violation of something and to their credit it kind of was not in a significant way uh i was supposed to get permission to interview an on-duty mp and basically it was up to the commander the commander's like hey just ask permission next time and that was it uh so we learned i learned like oh yeah got it cool uh, i guess i am technically media aren't I? I i never really thought of it that way uh but they they started spamming the base to the point where the commander contacted me and i knew the commander and said hey can you just take the video down we're just kind of sick of these phone calls and i don't know what they did with it but after that when people are like you're not military i, I just kind of go cool if you're not going to believe i'm military you're never going to believe i'm military i can show you literally anything short of uh my actual social security number and even then, you'd probably say it's wrong. Oh, of course. Without I, identifying exactly who I am, where I live, who my family is, people that I, I like to protect from the nonsense of the internet, uh, people who are desperate to be unconvinced will remain unconvinced. So at this point, I just say, cool, watch my videos. Anyone who is in the military will recognize the things I'm saying to be legitimate. And I leave it at that. Yeah. Contempt like prior. This. 
contempt oh. prior to investigation is a very common thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, that's regardless of where you go in the public eye, be it a, a YouTube channel, a podcaster, an article, um, publisher, or even as an, a, a legitimate media journalist, um, mm-hmm. You know, no matter where you stand, there will always be some contempt prior to investigation because people want to hear what they want to hear. Um, Go ahead, Taco. I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off. I didn't know you were Uh, coming in there. I I like this comment by Uneasy. You were actually investigating, not recording serial numbers of garbage cans. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's not trying to capture uh, sparks coming off of a coming off of an angle grinder in a paper bag. Um, what kills me though about that is we were all on the same side. And I don't, I just, I cannot understand their problem. It was literally, I think just because I had the audacity to be like, well, actually, no, that's not how that works. And they couldn't, they just couldn't handle it. And ever since then, I have also been a little cautious about uh, people on my side. Cause I, I know that there, everyone acts as, as you know, their own thing. And sometimes if the group that they're a part of does not match their individual, whatever, they may be uncomfortable with that. And so I do sort of pay attention to that and and not get too involved in in a lot of things because of experiences like that. Uh, But I I have a comment I actually want to address as well. I'm sorry. I'm going off on a a little bit of a tangent. No, please Uh, do. Someone suggested that uh, YouTube content creators are not media. I would disagree. There are certainly some aspects of media where that would not be the case. Uh, for example, I think here in Washington, there was a case where someone requested uh, information that would not normally be available to the public, claim that they were uh, media and therefore you know, had the right to request it. And it was ruled that no, they are not because they don't have their own separate legal entity, for example, an LLC or a corporation or something like that. However, the Supreme Court has articulated, I'm summarizing from a different, uh, I think, federal circuit case from the sixth district, maybe don't cite me on that. Uh <laughs> Uh, it was Hurley versus Irish American gay, lesbian, and bisexual group of Boston, if I remember correctly. And basically, if you summarize it, it establishes that to be considered media per the protection of the First Amendment, which is like the most basic way to be considered media, uh, you have to have a message to deliver and an audience to deliver it. And so from there, you could consider yourself media, and there are certain things uh, that would apply potentially. However, it's not going to do that much to you. Uh, something I see a lot and I, I love to sort of address because I, I do find that very interesting that, oh, technically, yeah, it's super easy to be protected by the First Amendment, although often those protections are just, you know, do you have to reveal your source or not? So that's right. a thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of confusion when it comes to the terminology that gets thrown around when you go out into the public eye like we're doing right now. Technically, mm-hmm. we are providing a content medium we are generating some form of media that people will consume for either entertainment or educational value. Uh, however, Taco and I aren't journalists. Sure. Uh, we, we don't have a higher entity that has qualified us as, um, as, as news media outlet. Uh, however, there is a market that news media does not touch. And that's a lot of the things that are happening that just don't generally make that sensationalist standpoint of being on mainstream television. Um, and and maybe that's just my perspective, but it doesn't feel like there's a slow news day. And so here we have this opportunity to really tailor something that's more for those communities that are waiting for something to come across to them 
in those larger media outlets. Um, and, and of course, we could do a whole show on the differences between journalism and media and all of that. Um, but I, I have this one that, that I've been wanting to ask you all night. What, on a daily basis, as a PI, makes you question the ethics of your action? I'm usually pretty ethical, I think. There are little loopholes in the law that I'm very familiar with. Uh, that I consider unethical and try not to use. And one of my favorite examples of this is uh, here in Washington state, and this is not the same for every state. Do not try to apply this without you know, knowledge about your own particular area, even your county or city, this may not apply. But where I am at, the uh, trespassing, it's only considered trespassing if you if there's like a sign that says you can't trespass. You've been told not to be there. There's a clear indicator like a fence or a locked door or even a shut door that you are not supposed to be in that place. So if, for example, it's three in the morning and I need information on someone and three in the morning be a great time where people are generally asleep. Uh, legally, I can just walk up someone's driveway, take pictures of their license plate to you know send to whoever it needs to be sent to or document what's in their vehicle doing this that there are limits to that for sure however that is a little loophole that i have used in the past i try very hard not to use unless it's a very specific case that requires it so as far as being unethical as as an investigator as opposed to being unethical as someone who's being investigated that i would say is probably the biggest thing uh as far as like traffic goes, there are times where if I wanted to keep following someone, I would have to break a law. I do not do that uh, because legally I cannot be compelled for work to uh, commit crimes. If I was working for myself, that may be a different story because I would be dependent on my own you know, quality of investigation. But since I work for a company and I get paid a, a flat rate from them and they cannot compel me to commit crimes, that's something that I do not do. Other investigators might. And there are certainly some types of investigations where you can do that based on what kind of investigation it is uh, and how important it is. But uh, I have not personally been assigned one of those yet. Those don't come up too often. Uh, filling people at their, you know, on their front porch, their front lawn, some people might call unethical. But one of the reasons why I am not 100% against First Amendment auditors is one, when doing it correctly, it's legal. Uh, and I try not to have an opinion outside of established law. I try to stay lawful neutral. But I do that. You know, I film people in public. I document them. I, I follow them around within, you know, the legal limits. So ethically, I can explain my actions. I can justify my actions. However, not everyone might see that. So I don't know if that answered the question. But No, it, it does. And it's not like we're implying that you're doing anything, you know, that goes against the law. Um, but more or less... You know, when we think of attorneys, an attorney is not going to represent a client, then cancel on that client and represent their opposition. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that oh. that's an ethics violation. But more or less, you know, what makes you feel uneasy about the ethics of what you're doing? And I think that you answered it very well. I mean, you're essentially doing what the auditors do. You're you're skirting what could be considered a very blurred line of mm -hmm. the laws in the area where you are you know, where you're investigating. Um, so, you know, I got to follow up to that. Go for it, Taco. Uh, is there like 
have there been times where you've had like a case that you're just like where it just feels like oh kind of awkward like following this person or looking into a person like not or it's like ooh like an old lady or something and it's just kind of like maybe on a moral ground or something like that not Has that ever happened from <clears throat> not from moral ground uh because all i'm doing is observing them in their natural habitat for the most part uh if i was like climbing through the woods with a ghillie suit on which i have considered doing uh for some like <laughs> yes that then i'd be like oh you know uh and there there's uh, ev- rarely it's happened a few times the person i'm observing will be employed at like an elementary school and i hate that mm. because one, these are kids. I don't want them involved. Uh, I don't want to be filming them. Two, people notice a car that's just hanging out around a uh, an elementary school. So justifying yourself to the people who might come up to you and be like, what are you doing? Uh, is a, it's a thing. It's, and it's not fun. I've never had like a serious problem with it, but like people will approach you, what are you doing? And you just... I'm so sorry. Like, uh, and they generally accept it. But if I'm near a school, I, I absolutely call the police and say, I am here. This is who I am. This is who I work for. This is what I'm doing. Uh, just a heads up. I don't want you to show up and, and pull guns on me or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have one person call the police on me because they identified me as a stalker. They thought I was someone else. Uh, and so when police did pull me over because, oh boy. So she left her house in the car. I started following police were in the area pulled up to an intersection she went through the intersection i stopped the intersection it was a four-way stop they waved me through and i knew what was happening at this point i went through and they pulled in behind me and pulled me over it's like we are you know do you have any restraining orders uh you know against you blah, 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 blah. no what no uh and so i think that's the only time i've ever really dealt with like an intense situation where like obviously someone's feeling very uncomfortable which is falls into the ethics of making someone uncomfortable. But um, she, she was paying attention mm-hmm. and it's, it's real hard to actually follow someone who's paying attention. Yeah. So I got unlucky with that one. Well, for one of your next uh, shorts that you do, you can be in the ghillie suit auditing uh, the trees. Yeah. Uh, I think we've got a new idea for one of those shorts coming up. I'm going to hit you with a couple of rapid fires. I think these are going to be some, some fairly straightforward ones. Uh, what do you think Jeremy DeWitt did right? I think he was a good businessman. Uh, I think, I, I mean, I think he's a terrible person. I think he sold himself correctly to the people he needed to sell himself to. He advertised himself as a much bigger deal than he was uh, financially uh, and as far as his uh, experience went. I think he you know, committed crimes doing it. I, I'm, I'm confident that he did with his uh, stolen valor and uh, some financial stuff as well that uh, the police have had on standby and they are considering charging with, I don't know if they've gone through with that. There's some tax stuff uh, regarding the way that he handles escorts. Cause what he did was he conducted funeral escorts from point A to point B his technically his Techniques weren't always bad. They were very, very dangerous, but holding intersections, uh, stopping traffic here, stopping traffic there, a lot of his stuff was actually correct for what real law enforcement would have the authority to do. The problem is he did it without the authority, 
And he did it while dressed like a police officer, which got him a lot of charges of impersonating a police officer because people would obey his instructions thinking he was one. Uh, and that was basically what everything uh, criminally with Jeremy DeWitt sort of uh, revolved around. Yep. Uh, there were some other smaller things, but that was the big deal. Uh, so technique-wise, there was a lot that he actually did correctly. He just had no authorization or authority to do it. Okay. Um, do you think that he got off easy as expected or worse than he deserved? I don't hate the conviction he got. I think it's a little less than I would have expected until you look at the actual conditions of his parole. So he got 18 months and there's some other stuff I think still floating around that hasn't quite hit uh, if it ever does. So he got 18 months in prison, which I think is a lot less than it would have been because of COVID. And that was, that's a huge concern in Florida in that area. Uh, without COVID, I, I assume it would have been much longer, but he got 18 months in prison. He has a ton of other felonies that he's been charged with. His parole is another, I want to say four years, at which point, uh, once he's released from prison, he will no longer have his motorcycle endorsement. I think his license will be suspended for six months. Uh, let's see if I can remember it all. He, for those four years, he will not be able to talk publicly about Metro State. He will not be able to own anything Metro State related. He will not be able to possess uh, a gun belt, anything resembling a firearm, any tool that police would use. He is still a registered sex offender. I think he can't have any contact with his ex-girlfriend. He, there's a lot that he's limited on mm -hmm. that there's no possible way that he's going to be able to follow. Knowing how he behaves, seeing his videos, uh, they basically said all these things you love to do and have actually stated you cannot stop doing because of, you know, your mentality. You can't do those for four years. Uh, also, you are convicted as a habitual offender. So if you violate your probation, uh, not only do you go away for those four years, but any additional crime you commit is going to be tried under habitual offender status, which has the potential for doubling the punishment. So what they've done, because there was a lot of stuff that hemmed them up this time. This is the second time they've they've gone after Jeremy DeWitt. The first time they they had a bunch of agreements, like, all right, here's how you fix it. This time they went, oh, ooh, okay, well, ooh, problems. But now if it ever happens a third time, they've basically established, they've set it up so that he is gone for good, mm -hmm. maybe. And he was facing, uh, potentially, if he got maximum sentence and habitual offender, 100 years. So they basically set it up to make that as easy as possible if it ever happens again. The goal being, of course, to have it never happen again. So is it a bad conviction? No. As long as you factor in this long, long list of things that he is not allowed to do for four years after release. Right. And tied into that, do you think that Vidler and Ramsey deserve the punishments they no. received? And do you think they had any influence at all on Jeremy's sentencing? Because of I their don't. Actions. I think they were kept pretty far away on that. I know. Um, I still believe uh, Sergeant Bidler erred in the arrest that he made uh, when Jeremy the, was carrying the, the concealed weapon yes, arrest. It looked yeah. like a gun, but like I, I would not have made the arrest. I don't think it meets the elements. No. Uh, he has. We have been in communication. He has told me that um, uh, he's confirmed something that someone else had already told me that there were some jury instructions that indicated that maybe that was a good call uh i think i think it was applied improperly i'm i'm still you know ghost art Vidler. i think he's done a lot of good in the world i think he made a mistake and i think the department 
needed a scapegoat for some stuff. Mm. And maybe he had already been causing some issues. I know that like when the investigation was happening, when all this crazy stuff was coming out, the department tried to stop the investigation for some reason. And there are a lot of allegations as to why. And I have half a script written. I cannot publish it as accurate information without the existence of possible text messages that have been alleged to uh, have been sent between two parties. I'm not going to name because I don't want, like, this is a big deal. Uh, I mean, this would be like government interference. If this was true, I'm not going to say anything as fact uh, because I do not want to get dragged into that. I am yep. not, I'm not, I can't. No, and, that's not, and that's always been the case is just, there are other people who have presented the information uh, and good for them, but I'm not going to play that game. I know better okay. than that. Uh, but, um, but I think, I mean, if you listen to the, uh, the actual sort of interview and interrogation of uh, Sergeant Fiddler and of Corporal Ramsey, I've not listened to it. I've give, been given a synopsis by people I trust to know what they're talking about. It sounds very much like they don't care what either of them have to say. The, uh, they're just going through the steps uh, and the outcome has already been predetermined. So I know that Sergeant Biddler is suing the department. At least I've, I've seen paperwork that would indicate that, that is what is happening. I think that's based on how that all went down. And I, I hope he wins, honestly. Okay. Um, just two more I've got before we get to some of the interesting stuff that's coming through the chat here. Oh, yeah. um, do you think that the Dr. Phil episode and Jeremy's subsequent online presence afterwards uh, hurt or helped his case hurt, in some hurt. way, shape, or form. Hundred percent hurt. Uh, oh boy, did it hurt him. There was no reason to go on, Doctor Phil. This was this is not a case where getting the public involved is going to matter. There's no way. There's absolutely, and he knew. He must have known that there was enough information on him that nobody would who was like, oh, Jeremy, oh yeah, uh, would have seen that and gone, oh yeah, I'll keep. He's a sex offender. He's a felon. He's whatever. Yeah, I'll keep supporting him. Uh, there's no way that that is going to be the majority response. And it wasn't the majority response, uh, although he tried to pretend that it was. And even coming back from the show, he was like, oh, the show was great. Oh, we had so much fun. It was everything that I wanted it to be. No, it was not. He did terribly. He presented himself terribly. Uh, it was not good for him. It did nothing but get him additional charges because as a registered sex offender, if he leaves the state for long enough, uh, he has to tell his sort of supervisor he did not do that. He did not get permission. And it brought up more charges, which actually led to them finding more stuff, I think, through a warrant that they got on his cell phone, if I'm remembering the things are correct. It hurt him real big. Also, uh, his wife used that as uh, one of her main complaints where she's like, wait a second, you're cheating on me. Uh, she identified Dr. Phil and that whole event as one of the reasons she knew because Jeremy was saying that he went with this female that was his, uh, his paramour, was their preferred phrase. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it hurt him. It hurt him so badly. Yeah. It sounds like uh, the whole house of cards just collapsed mm -hmm. right before he went in. And I had a feeling that that was the direction, but I wanted to kind of get a little bit more of that insider info. Um, all right. Now here's the tough one go way back to when you first started seeing Jeremy do it. You made your first video about him. If you were presented the opportunity to start back at that moment, what would you have done different? Oh boy. I, Oh, I would have jumped on the requests hard. Uh, at the time I didn't think it was going to be big. And so uh, real world police 
got wait am i starting back with the knowledge i have now or yes just, okay yes. knowing oh, everything boy. you there know now be... about what's going to happen with jeremy what would you have done different when you made that video there would be a thousand things i'd be requesting from the police to get it first uh because things kept branching off of it well you you got a request you got the information you learned something new and crazy you did a request based on that new crazy thing all of a sudden there are three new crazy things i would be dropping those requests like like nothing like it would just be, it would be they would hate me over in florida for all the paper i could make and it would be expensive but i would know that you know it would be worth it and i would just just go nuts on it and basically it would just be i would devote a lot more time to it i think and a lot more uh targeted stuff i wouldn't be as reactive i would be very much more proactive and i appreciate real world police for one being very proactive and, and two being super cool with me uh taking the videos that he had uh, requested since they weren't uh public they were they had been um he couldn't really lay claim to them anyway it's just sort of a professional courtesy but he specifically said no no cool you're you're good to do it uh because i you know wanted to check and make sure but if i were doing it differently i I would have had all that information, not done anything with it. And I think I would have tried to interview Jeremy a couple more times. That's I would fair. not have, for the second interview, I, I immediately brought up the, um, the stolen valor and said, Hey, I just want to talk to you about it and get your side of the story. Cause this is kind of a big deal. And he, he does not like that being addressed. So I might've sprung that on him halfway through an interview, for example. Yeah. Uh, most of the interview that I did was to try to get little bits of information to uh, corroborate what I had already discovered. Uh, so it wasn't ever intended to be some mind blowing interview, but I couldn't say that because I was still trying to build rapport. I didn't want to be like, this is, there's an ulterior motive. I don't care about his answers. I care about specifically, can he name this person? Uh, is this true? Just, did this happen? Did the Michael Breen, you know, motorcycle company fund him i don't i think it was michael breen uh, there was there were specific little details i wanted from him. i got some so it was effective however i might have tried that tactic more and i might have just jumped on him with tons of information because one of the great things about the interview is going back to it and saying or and seeing like oh he, he specifically said these things that we know for a fact now are not true and it would have been fun to have been able to just just jump on him in the middle of it instead of finding it out about it months later well, I am glad to hear that you you wouldn't have really deviated much from the norm. Mm -hmm. You did a fantastic job covering a lot of his stuff. Oh, um, and, and I got to say, if it wasn't for the fact that at the time I could not afford one, I would have bought the Jeremy DeWitt body pillow. Uh, those still <laughs> up on your Etsy <laughs> shop. Oh, boy, I did that just to make him angry. Uh, not. No, I didn't do that because that. No. See. OK, so. I don't know if <laughs> we don't have to go funny. too far into it. No, I just... <laughs> I, we thought it'd be funny because he was he was targeting me for some reason. I can't imagine why. Jeremy Wife. Yeah, oh, it's crazy. So someone suggested to me I should make a body pillow of Jeremy. And I did not make a body pillow of Jeremy. I made a body pillow of someone that eh, looks sort of resembling kinda like Jeremy. Yeah, okay, I got gotcha. you. I know, gotcha. just and not to upset him. No, that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> mostly because I thought it'd be funny if he saw it. That essentially, yes. Uh, and so a few people bought them against all odds. I never intended for them to actually sell. I, it was, I just wanted them to exist and be something that could be owned by someone. Uh, I have one. I think I have one. No, I, I signed it and I sent it to someone. Never mind. I don't okay. Have one well, I if you, you ever put send... it back up there, let me know. 
just I thought you were going to send for one a friend. to Amir. I yeah. was tempted to. Um, from what I understand, I can't. Uh, I haven't established this fact because I've. I had my time in the sun. It was a draining two years. I'm glad to be away from it. But my understanding is from other people who are still involved that Amir has not been paid. He is not happy about the situation. Uh, I cannot confirm this as fact, but I I don't think I I think if he had been paid, I would I wouldn't feel bad about it. I, I probably would send him a little like to remember us by. Mm-hmm. But like he got the the hard end of a stick, and I commend him on his ability to do what he did. Uh, he's a he's a shady character, but he's a good attorney from what I, from what I saw. He's he was good at what he does. Does he have all the moral and ethics you'd want from an upstanding civilian? No, but that's probably why he was a, as good at it as he was. The deal he got Jeremy is insane. It is not inappropriate, but he got 18 months plus four years probation. He could have been facing over 100 years. So, like, kudos to that. I respect Amir. I don't necessarily like him, but I respect him. He did his job. He, he went in as an attorney. Well. He went in as an attorney, and he was, um, uh, what's the word that Artie likes to use? Um, he was zealous in his defense. Mm. Uh, and that's that's what's to be expected with an attorney. We don't necessarily need to, to uh, agree with them or, or what they're defending, but his approach and his um, dedication to what his job is. Uh, that stands, that stands among, you know, the top things that you would expect from an attorney. Um, so I, I think we've reached the end of the questions that I've got taco. I know that we got a a super chat and there's probably some really good questions here in the chat here that you've gathered for us. Do you have those? Uh, I have one question that I really saw that, uh, was to be asked, but most of the, most of the other ones have been answered. Uh, American B Savage for five dollars asked, "Do you like cookies, Blue?" I love. Cookies. And then, uh, oh my God, I love cookies. He recommends my cookie dealer has the best. Use code Savage thirteen and save. Laugh out loud. Yep, use that code Savage thirteen at my cookie dealer to get ten percent off of your order. And from what I understand, they make some really good cookies. Plus, I've had uh, them. Yeah, and they they are. I give them a 10 out of a 10. Very nice. Uh, Schrodinger's cat can't right eat now. a whole one. Uh, oh. So, um, did, was there any other question that you had there, Taco? Um, the only other question I had was, did Rania leave Jeremy? I think we touched that a little bit when it came to the information about what came out on Dr. Phil, uh, that Jeremy was with his paramour, Sorry, my phone. Nope. <laughs> yeah, it, but as Blue was talking about it a little bit earlier, uh, I believe that Rania bro- brought it up that uh, the Dr. Phil episode was what was used because of Jeremy being with his paramour. Is that is that correct? Is that why? It, it was part of a bigger picture. Um when it came to like Ronnie, I think had her suspicions uh, definitely. And this wasn't the first time he had cheated on her. She identified that to him in a video that uh, I think he uploaded. Someone uploaded. I'm not really sure. Uh, or maybe his paramour uploaded uh, to get back at him. They had a terrible relationship. 
It was nuts. Uh, but she suspected things. Jeremy lied his his butt off to her to sort of keep things in check. But um, that was a major part of it. There were other things. I know uh, Jennifer was a person he was cheating on his wife with, uh, contacted the wife to try to be like, he's mine now. Get out of here. Like, you're out of the picture. Uh, to drive her away. There's there's a lot going on. But she, I think it was around the time, right after the Dr. Phil episode, where she really started to put the pieces together in a way that we were seeing, where we were getting information that identified that this was an issue. We started seeing a reference to the Dr. Phil show. I don't know what she's doing. Uh, I have, I'm sure she doesn't watch my channel. I've offered to, you know, assist her with, you know, programs in the area. And I've been tempted to reach out to her. I don't know if it would be appropriate for me to actually try to make contact with her, given, you know, my involvement in the side of this. But I've always tried to keep her out of this, uh, unless it was uh, very, very relevant to it. Uh, I don't like to bring in people who are not part of the problem. And I, to some degree, sure, she was part of the problem. But because she was married to the man, right, and she didn't have all the information, and this was this would affect and is probably affecting now uh, her entire life. So, of course, she would come to his defense in some ways. But she was the victim, uh, mm -hmm. both of his behavior and potentially criminal activity. There right. is reason to believe that there may have been domestic violence in the home. I cannot confirm that as a fact, but there, there's certainly reason to believe it. So are they still together? I, I don't know. Should they be? I would argue no, but it's not my life. Uh, how is How are Jeremy and Jennifer? I have no idea. They're not supposed to be in contact with each other, but knowing them, that's probably not going to stay that way. So honestly, I'm afraid I, I just don't know. I'd love yeah. to answer it. I just don't know. No, it's okay. And, um, and then uh, Courtney asked, did Jennifer have the baby or was she ever pregnant? My understanding, and again, I can't state this as fact because I, I did not do the research myself. Generally, what I like to do is uh, if someone gives me information, it's always great to have people. And I sometimes send people out to give me information. Uh, they'll give me the information and I will verify it myself. I've been given information. I've not verified it myself that the, the baby existed. It no longer exists. Mm. Um, got a question here from Alan. Um, now I, I want to preface this. I am not an attorney. Uh, I'm finishing a bachelor's in criminal well, justice. What am I doing here then? I, uh, I was told something and <laughs> well, now I'm not so sure. This is internet court. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's very different. It's kind of like, you know, being an American national hint, hint. Um, as an attorney, how can you really defend someone, you know, is just a real piece of crap? Uh, don't you have moral objections? Um, you know, I talked with, uh, my professor who has been a practicing attorney for 30 years. She did, uh, 10 as a, uh, as a prosecutor and she did the last 20 as a criminal defense attorney. Um, and one of the things that she told me about it is, uh, it's just like we talked about earlier. It's the ethics of the representation. It's the ethics of the job that you are there to be that, um, that light in the darkness for that individual. Um, and it's all about the plausibility of the defense that can be brought up really. Um, you know, some people have gone to her and told her flat out, look, I did this. Uh, and she would tell them, Hey, shut up. Um, because the more Funny you joke. know, <laughs> moving on. Yeah. Cause, cause the more that you know, as an attorney, the harder it is to bring up a legitimate defense. Um, and that's really what it's all about. 
Uh, most people who do get a criminal defense attorney aren't going to sit there after signing this, you know, uh, this document stating, you know, hey, I did this. I did this really awful thing. I mean, they'll have one for representation to go through the motions of court, but not to present a defense. Right. Uh, so that's that's kind of the way that she's taken it. Uh, Blue, what, what do you think? So I've seen responses to that exact question. That is a very popular question among the legal world. I don't know that I've ever asked it because I have seen other people's answers prior to me ever like going out and finding it for myself. My understanding is not about defending someone's actions. It's about making sure that they are represented appropriately within the law, right? So you have the right to legal representation. You have the right to, you know, the fair trial, fair speedy trial, et cetera. Fifth, Sixth Amendment, uh, certainly relevant to that. And so basically what the attorney, the justification that the attorney whose responses I remember, and I'm sure there are other responses that I've seen, but the one that stuck with me is I'm not trying to establish they are guilty or innocent. I'm trying to make sure they get the due process. They are guaranteed by the Constitution. And so if there is a claim against them, I'm there to ensure that they remain innocent until proven guilty. And if I'm unable to prove that they are guilty, then presumably they are guilty and deserve to be found that way. So it's that's kind of the mentality. And uh, there are other attorneys who are just like, I like the money. I'm good at I'm good at what I do, and it pays well. Who cares, right? A lot of people very honorable about it. But with any job, you're going to have people who are just in it for their own benefit. So you obviously do have that as well. But that is a justification I've seen. Yep. Um, uh, we just got a super chat. Arrow Scout uh, yep. for four ninety nine said really like he really likes the format that Kick and Taco have created. Greatly appreciate that. Thank you very much, Arrow Scout. I think that this is. Uh this is really a new adventure for us and I'm excited for some of the upcoming shows that we've got. Not to say I wasn't excited for this one. Good Lord. We've been trying to get blue bacon for two weeks. I mean, dude, you're hard to get a hold of. It's true. Um, you know, all days <laughs> gotta, gotta chase you around with a camera yeah. sneaking in the shadows <laughs> and stuff. Um, we in got the air, wall, blue bacon. He's crazy. Now in the wall, <laughs> I'm going to pack him on a stick. <laughs> And now we see the blue bacon chasing his paycheck. <laughs> the camera comes out as he focuses on his prey. Um, He's thrown in the back seat of his car, <laughs> using his camera as a periscope to avoid uh, detection. We have uh, another question here from Archangel3. Uh, do you think the trend of falsifying credentials and abusing the system to benefit those acting in an incredulous way will end soon, or is this just the beginning? This is this has always existed. I don't think there's been a time in history where someone didn't lie about their credentials. Uh, as time passes, there are attempts to make credentials more legitimate, harder to fake. But whoever's faking it is right behind them. Uh, I would also argue, and I'm not really sure. I would argue that when you are paying attention to anything, it becomes more prevalent in your life. So, for example, a lot of uh, First Amendment auditors who are very anti-police, not saying that they all are, but uh, the ones who are, they will say all police are bad because I only see bad police, right? When I go on YouTube, I see bad police, videos of bad police. And that's because YouTube has an automatic algorithm, right? And if you only look for bad police, you're only going to see bad police. When you look for good police, you see all kinds of incredible things of police, you know, helping, uh, taking time out of their day, going above and beyond. 
And that's not to say that that's super common or super uncommon. But when we when you come to this channel, for example, something that a channel that is focusing on a specific topic, you will be drawn into the sort of that world of knowledge that it exists more than you might have otherwise. And it may appear that it is much more prevalent than it is, but it's always been the case. It's always been the thing. Uh, I, I cannot say, you know, how it fluctuates or at what levels, but I think it's not going to go away, but I don't necessarily think that it is increasing. It's just when there's an opportunity, people take it. And as opportunities come and go, so do, uh, you know, the people taking them. Yep. Um, Pamela, uh, Pamela asked, did Blue Bacon study Perry Mason episodes? I did not. <laughs> I've been told to watch Perry Mason. Uh, I have never done it, but one of these days. Off the cuff question, would you ever do one of those murder mystery things as an actor? I would love to, honestly. I was <laughs> went to a murder mystery dinner uh, a few months ago. I was very, very close. Uh, that would be, I would have so much fun with that, honestly. I, um, I, I think we should put one together. Let's do it. Let's do it. I've like, been we thinking get... about, I've been putting together I've, uh, the, the framework of a, a murder mystery book. You know what? Let's, like... let's pull this on a sidebar, but I think this ties into another idea we were talking about earlier. Um, so after all of, um, all of these questions, we now have hit essentially the end of the show where we get the taco five pack which are five questions that Taco is going to ask us that neither one of us are prepared for or know what they are, and we are to answer uh, as truthfully as possible, I assume. Right, Taco? Yep, and they are would-you-rather questions. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, oh, boy. And they're mostly suited for blue bacon, but at I'm, least... I'm going to first... go on camera for these, just so that way... There we go. I'm wearing right. my, my Devil You Know uh, shirt. They broke up, but uh, really good metal band. And I've got my double fezes. Again, check out Colony L3 if you need 3D printing. Uh, but here we are. Let's let's do it to it. All right. First one. Would you rather know how you're going to die or when you're going to die? When. How? interesting i can explain if that's part of it if not I, I would love to hear the explanation well with when so there from what i understand i've never died uh but from what i understand when people realize they are about to die there is a piece to it so presumably if you know it's going to happen you can prepare for it appropriately uh so the i mean it, it does depend on the how right like if it was like you're going to be crushed by a bulldozer, I can like live in the mountains away from bulldozers. It should be pretty easy. But um, if it's when, if it's like, oh, it's going to be seven days from now. Okay, well, that gives me time to get my affairs in order. And thank goodness I have that for the people in my life. If it's 80 years from now, I can live a, a crazy wild life, no, but not fearing it as long as I know approximately when it's going to happen. Uh, great. You know, I can live my life to its, the very fullest and then be prepared on the way out. That's, no, I, that's I a very adult agree. answer of you. <laughs> I I'm I just have morbid curiosity. Fair. Whatever I, I can do to try to avoid how. to avoid the how. Mm -hmm. Self preservation kicking in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like I it would just drive me insane to know the how. Right. Like, oh, it's you're like, like, oh, you're like you're gonna die. Someone's gonna stab you. Like I'm like, 
ah, like every day. I'm going to be like, is it you? Stay away. Right. <laughs> it's going to be nuts to the point where I probably assault someone for getting too close to me because I'm being driven insane. Go to prison, get shanked to death. Or if like, it's like, oh, there's no fulfilling prophecy. You're going to buy out all the wish.com Kevlar vests. <laughs> so bad. And just stack them. Oh, boy. All right. Next question. Would you rather eat everything in your fridge right now all by yourself and then have free groceries for, for a year or not do that but have to pay an extra 20% on your grocery bill for a year? I'd eat everything in my fridge. How long do I have to eat it? That's not a question. I'd do it like right now. So like, cause do I have like an, a day, a week? Does it only activate after everything's finished without eating other things? Okay. Let's, let's say I can, I'd probably eat the food. Uh, does that include condiments? I would, I would, I would give you, I would, <laughs> that includes co- condiments. Does I'll in- give you a day. Okay. A day. I could do a day. Yeah. I, I think that would be another great challenge video to watch Blue open up his fridge no. and just like guzzle a whole jar of mayonnaise. No. There are things in there that are probably a little questionable. That's a, that's a YouTube short uh, that'll win you some money right there. Oh, you know what? No, no, no. See, okay. So you eat some of the good stuff. You eat something that's gone bad, causes you to throw it all up, and then continue eating. And that's how you fit all the food. Are you a dog? No, I'm just like, cause I'm, there's probably something in my fridge that is like not good to eat anymore. Uh, does this include containers? Do I have to eat like the Tupperware? Dude, he, no. well, you don't okay, have to, okay. I don't think you have to eat not food. Okay. Well, I mean, he said everything. I did say everything. Right. If, no, if I were dealing with a genie, for example. Unless the container is made out of food. Ah, that's fair. Well, if it's a paper bag, that's edible. Nah, no, not the paper bag. Okay, we're going, we're going way too far into this. All right, I would, supposed you know, to be... I would do the same. I would, I would eat everything in the fridge, get free groceries for a year. All right, and I would give it to homeless people. There you go. Oh, you can't be giving out free groceries you to homeless people now. That's that's too bad. There, you didn't say anything about what I do with the food. Just free groceries. There's limitations to this free coupon. Now there are limits. Now we're okay with limitations. But when, I, when I'm asking questions, oh my god, whoa. <laughs> number three would you you rather have the ability to speak every language in the world but never be able to read them or read all languages in the world but never be able to speak them speak yeah probably i think speak would be because right now i i don't speak or read most languages if i were to need a language it I could just read everything in English. And if I was in a place with foreign road signs, I could just ask questions in the spoken language. I think speak would be better. English is a language. Speak. So I'd never, I'd never be able to read again. That's what I pay you to do. You read the super chats and stuff. Audiobooks. It'll <laughs> be fine. I was paid to lead, not to read. I yeah. Well, if you if you speak every single language, imagine how important you would be. You would be a celebrity. You would be so incredibly useful, and you'd be on talk shows, whatever. You wouldn't I, have to read anything. You'd have money to hire people to read it to you. All right. I'd never be able to finish college. 
Like I wouldn't be able to write papers. I'd have to pay somebody mm. to do it, mm-hmm. and that would mm-hmm. yeah, they they would Just throw me out. Pretend to be blind. I, I guess so. I would read because the ability to read like ancient languages, like can't like tell anyone about them. Though. Can't talk about them. No, but you can write it down. <sighs> Come on, Taco. Number four. Fine. Nuance. Would you rather go through basic training again? Or learn auditing from News Now Patrick for a month. Well, I, I feel like it'd be a lot of fun to go through it again, knowing what I know. I would, I would rule that place. Uh, why is a sergeant going through basic? Like, mind your business. Like, I would. It would probably be a lot easier. It would be a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, even the physical stuff. I need to get in shape anyway. Uh, if I could do it then. I'm more in shape now than I was when I went in, and I survived when I went in. So I feel like I... I mean, it's not that it's the better choice. I just kind of think it would be a lot of fun. Uh, learning auditing, there's not that much to learn from But you'd them be stuck anyway. with them for a month. Well, well, hang tight. I've never been to basic yeah. training, so do I have to go twice? No, you mm. would just have to go once. Just once. Okay. I do. I would do basic training. I could stand to lose a few pounds. It'll it'll do it. Yeah. All right. And for the Cinco, would you rather work and take orders from Jeremy DeWitt for the rest of your life, or have to use the Sovset script for every government slash law enforcement encounter for the rest of your life? I'd rather be a sovereign citizen. Yeah, what was the first one? Uh, work and take orders from Jeremy DeWitt for the rest of your life. What if he's in prison? What, is he now a shot caller? Well, right. I'm saying, like, am I still working for him <laughs> and taking orders while he's in prison? He's a shot caller. Caller. Imagine getting coded messages from Jeremy on like really <laughs> tiny print on toilet paper in the mail. He's throwing little paper airplanes. Right? And, and they come in and it's this little bitty square inside of a card and you no. unfold it and have to read it under a magnifying glass oh, and it's written in some freaking weird code. But, and here's the other thing too, for you, Blue, every time he needs you, he's going to go, Sergeant, Sergeant, I'm Sergeant. Well, here's the thing is I would not be able to handle that. I would punch him in the face. Within reason, legally, I would I would find one of those little legal loopholes. He was attacking me because he has a habit of doing that. Apparently, and I would I would deck him right in the face and I would win. The problem is, I would take orders. I wouldn't follow orders. Is that implied that I'm following the orders being given? Because I would run that place within a month. So I would I would work for him. I would take his orders. You take. But, so much away from that, the core of what these questions. I know, are supposed to I be. know. It's how I, it's how my brain works. Now, if the implication is I have to follow them, I would take the sovereign citizen one. If not, I would work for Jeremy, and I would make his life very difficult because presumably he can't fire me because it's for the rest of my life, unless it implies he would be killing me. Mm. Well, he'd be able. He would still be. You'd still have to be taking orders and work from. So, yeah, you might be making his life hell, but I'm sure he's going to make your life hell, too. 
I feel um, like I could make his life a lot more hell than he could make mine. On the record, for yeah. the record, let the record show that I think Blue and I would both be sovereign citizens. Yeah, we'd be great sovereign citizens. I, I, don't, I On my Twitter, I was putting out fake... I'm, no, I'm, I'm turning it into video. What am I talking about? About um, etymology of words. Oh, like, hey, sovereign citizens, because you don't understand how etymology works. I've made up some fake ones to help you out. Since that's what I saw that. Things up. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. Oh, those were great. I, I, <laughs> I finished watching... Busthead. A majority of Artie's stream before we got started uh, yeah. this evening. And I thought for a moment I wasn't going to be able to think. I had such a freaking headache listening to that it guy. Was, it was difficult. I love that he was insinuating things and pretending not to insinuate. To like, as if Artie was going to come to the same conclusions. Like, oh, I'm convinced. Like, oh, is it slavery? I don't know. Like, then why are you bringing it up? Oh, my God. It was – Artie looked like he was just about to, like, fall over. Just uh, like – of just, like, pure – I don't know what. Why, why are we here? Just to suffer. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I saw. Um, but anyway, uh, if you haven't seen Artie's stream, you came over here, you didn't, uh, you didn't get to it. Make sure to go and check out Artie's Corporate Fiction. Uh, it was a great stream. It was, um, I have to say that his guest, or if Artie was the guest, I can't really tell anymore. They were simul streaming, streaming yeah. if you will. Um, but Artie's guest was very eloquent, eloquent. Um, he was well-spoken. He appeared polite, uh, which is football field's difference from talking to Khalib Anpu'el. Ugh. Uh, but, uh, if you haven't had a chance, go check out Artie. Uh, he should be coming up, uh, this Saturday, uh, for our buddy cops, just as a reminder. Um, and it looks like we got a couple of chats here before we start yep. to wrap it up. Uh, $5 from Aaron. I could speak from experience that spite is a hell of a drug. I can make his life way worse than he would be able to make mine. <laughs> I don't know. I just, Jer Jeremy, Jeremy pulls off the impossible sometimes. That's true. Well, it's because he surrounds himself with people who don't know better. He intentionally surrounds himself with people who won't stand up to him. You put anyone up against him who will and he folds yeah well spite's a powerful motivator yeah. uh i can definitely attest to that <laughs> and then cameo stark for five dollars this stream is like curing my depression well thank that you very awesome. much cameo we're glad to we're glad to help out that's that's kind of what this is all about is having a, a just having a real good discussion with people and not you know not digging so far into the uh some of the stuff that gives people pain uh, cause that's, that's what we see a lot of. And that's something that we, we want to differentiate here. So, um, thanks again to everybody who came to watch us this evening. Uh, Taco and I will be posting this, uh, an, a slightly edited version of this for podcast. Uh, we are looking to create the kick cast. So keep on the lookout for that. I will be posting some links once we start getting it published. Um, and on our next on the stand episode, uh, we're going to explore the mental state of extremists as well as touch on mental health and the importance of it during the holidays with a therapist, Miss Sarah. So, uh, Taco, I believe that's in what, two weeks? Yeah. Two weeks from tonight, same time, same bat channel. Uh, make sure to tune in and we will have Miss Sarah here to talk about that. Uh, anything else you guys want to, you want to say before we head out for the evening? No, I think we covered uh, everything. Maybe uh, someday I'll get dragged back in here and I'll like it. Uh, <laughs> but thanks for so much for having me on here and doing this. It was a lot of fun. 
Oh, we're always glad to have you, Blue. You're a great uh, resource. You're just an awesome guy, and I really love the work that you do. I really appreciate it. Taco? No, this was a blast. I'm glad uh, we finally got to do this. You know, went how I expected. Everyone was a great crowd today. Uh, for the most part, chat was, you know, very orderly and had a great time. There was only like one or two people that were disorderly that had to be shown the door. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, and I look forward to next episode. And we've got some great people that we are in the process of getting. Yes. Uh, we've got a lot lined up. Um, not only do we have Miss Sarah, but uh, we're going to be touching on some of the other communities that don't get a lot of love over here uh, for some interviews and interrogations. So stick around, uh, keep your eyes open for those to post. Uh, Kit190, I'm going to steal Taco's job here for $2. The next Body Cops when? I'm hoping this coming Saturday, as long as Artie uh, is available. And if not, we'll figure out something else to do. Maybe Blue Bacon, and then we can have a real cop on Buddy Cops again. So, yeah. with all that being said, folks, I really appreciate you all being out here tonight. Again, thanks, Blue, for joining up. Um, Taco, as always, I appreciate your work as a producer. Thanks to my mods and to all the good people out there. I wish you well. I hope you have a great evening and that you be good to each other. Good night.